0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Human All to Human season two. Happy holidays and hope you're staying safe out there. In all likelihood, 2021 subverted most of our expectations and the new year often brings new existential problems, given the sordid affair that it's one step closer to death. However, the one thing I think we can be sure of is that we should celebrate life and we should live it with a sense of levity. And so today I've brought on Anne, Diane, and Alan to talk about two topics in particular, one being the bifurcation of good and evil and how their ideas as absolutes could possibly be broken down into things more relatable and following that we touch on the pursuit of meaning and how we create or how we define meaning in our lives and so with that i'd like to start the episode uh diane so you got you got dragged into this (laughs) diane you got dragged into this why did you why did you agree to come on or or was it just because anne is your sister
1: kind of the latter but um (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it's an interesting topic like i've We are sisters because it's something I think about a lot too. I'm very interested in this topic so I actually took a class on this.
0: Which topics in particular was your class about?
1: Um, It was basically this introductory philosophy class called Persons, Moral Values, and the Pursuit of a Good Life.
0: I've always wanted to. I've never personally taken a philosophy class so I'm interested in later on when we start doing this episode how your experience in that class contrasts with this but so I guess moving forward, starting with the, the two sisters, obviously, so as Anne said, one of the two topics we were going to talk about was uh, about good and evil, and I'm wondering if you guys have differing perspectives on this. I know Anne and I have, have spoken about this, but how, how, how about you two?
1: Anne and I are very different when we talk about this together, too. I think it's so interesting
2: because we're like, we have the same upbringing, we like, we're really close, but we might take different sides on it. It's good and evil, it's such a black and white blanket term for things to kind of define like what someone does or what a person is but I used to think that everyone was mostly good um, but then you know like as you grow up and you like you obviously you're always on the news and you hear things about everything going on and you know you get more weary of life so I think my perspective has shifted towards that uh, and it's like a such a blanket term like there's a little more evil in the world or people who are capable of doing evil things people are so complex and people change and grow over time so like one moment they're good or they're good to someone and the next moment they do they their the actions are evil or interpreted as evil
0: yeah so i guess what you're describing is a sort of fluidity do you think it's appropriate to, because as, as you mentioned, good and evil are pretty absolute terms, and I guess from your experience, you've seen that people are sort of on a spectrum of complexity. Do you think good and evil are even appropriate terms to describe this situation? Like, can people be classified into buckets of good or evil? And, and before we get into that, Diane, what, now that you've heard what Anne has just publicly uh, said her thoughts are, what do you, what do you think about it?
1: Um, I guess with my point of view is like good people do evil things and evil people do good things but like like how do we determine what's good and what's evil do you know like is it like a collective like oh like majority thinks this is good like what if that one person who did an evil thing thinks that is like in their mind they think it is good you know so I, I don't think perhaps or, or is it absolute I don't know I think for me like I don't think there are sometimes I like fight with this in my mind, but like, are there really good and evil people? Or is it just like people who do good things or evil things based on the situation they're in?
0: Uh, I think Diane, Diane actually brought up a lot of good points. Why don't we hear what Alan has to say? And then I will pontificate after all three of you have spoken.
3: So I think I get what Diane is saying a little bit that there isn't a set, like absolute good or evil. Um, So in my thinking, um, it's that like good and evil are based on our set of beliefs, like what we agree with. And that depends on how we were raised, right? And like how it was subconsciously ingrained in us um, based on how our parents told us what was good, um, based on what society told us what was good and like what was not good. Coming from like a perspective of someone who you would think is evil what they're doing sometimes, they don't believe is evil. So like, they think it might be okay to do. I'm not saying like murdering is okay, but I think they they have like a motivation. This is like what I have to do, prevent something else from happening or something. I'm going off on like a hypothetical, but like yeah, overall, I, I kind of agree. There's no like absolute good versus evil. Um, it's more of like what we agree with and what do we disagree with.
0: Okay, I'm glad all of you have uh, sort of touched on what I want to talk about. It actually makes my job a lot easier. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, both, both Anne, Diane, uh, all three of you, you've, you've mentioned that, you know, there's, there's a degree of fluidity to good and evil. And I think that's, I mean, that's a perfect assessment because the, the bifurcation between good and evil is, as, as, as universal truths, as, as black and white, is, is a difficult concept for me to understand and uh, Diane uh, said this specifically, it's, it's something to think about whether or not it's, it's determined by a societal majority. If you, th- if you look at what conventionally is considered evil, for instance, let's take the most apparent one, murder. Obviously, most of people don't want to be murdered. So is the fact that it has been described or you know, consigned as evil a factor of the nature of most people don't want to be murdered? And it's, I, find, I think it's uh, very easy for people to say yeah, murder's wrong most all the time, but then when we progress to something like stealing, nobody wants to get stolen from, but what if someone stole from you for like a justifiable reason? Like, would you, would you consider a very destitute person stealing from you to feed their poor family? Is that considered evil? I think a lot of people would say no. Some people might say yes. The degree to which these universal truths have become absolutes is, is an interesting topic to me. And uh, so, so that's, that's mainly why I wanted to talk about this, but... Just moving, uh, you know, a little along this topic when, when we talked about, you know, societal definitions. So if a majority of people determine something is good or bad, how do you guys anchor the definitions of good good or bad in, in, in your lifestyles? Like whoever, whoever wants to speak to speak, but from from a personal perspective, if I'm looking at what's good or evil, I find a hard time rationalizing or even thinking about what might anchor something uh, as 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 such. I think that's a yeah, very difficult
3: question, and it'll probably vary between people. I think it really does like depend on like, your core values. Also, like yeah, how we decide to you know structure and like frame our lives within like the ultimate chaos of the universe. But what does it mean to be civilized? Um, I think is kind of what I um, frame it on, and you know, we can choose to be polite courteous like empathetic um and like, altruistic to everyone um to make sure that like what's the best way that um we're different than just wild animals like that just are like killing for fun how can we act civilized and, like it's definitely a tough question and probably like at a case on a case basis too so those are some of the you know the anchors that i probably would ask myself if i would you know come to the situation
0: okay that's interesting that case by case Right? I think the very definition of an absolute makes it incompatible with the idea of case-by-case, case, right? But that's the situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, just think about our, like, for instance, our judicial system. Take it case-by-case, case and you know, the, the jury and the judge, they have to analyze this, not only from a legal perspective, but from uh, an ethical perspective. So I'm going to use what Alan just said, and I'm going to pick on Anne real quick, because she did, she did want to... <laughs> she, she, she's the one who <laughs> wanted to uh, talk about this. But so, Alan, you, you did mention that part of the influence is the environment and where you and how you were raised. So, Anne, when when you talk about your progression from thinking people are, you know, mostly good from the the environment in which you were raised to now maybe slightly more negative, what values are you basing this off of? When you look at a person and say that person's evil, how are you making that uh, determination?
2: So, I think people through the environment, they learn from a very young age, what's right, what's wrong, and those things are taught from, like, you know, maybe it's a, maybe their parents, maybe their teachers, society, and then they, you know, can either follow that, interpret it however they want, and then, I guess, the way, I'm thinking, like, an evolutionary uh, perspective, that people kind of follow other people's, in terms of, What they think is right or wrong and you know what they what they want and don't want to happen to them like i guess i can like a example would be like you know you wouldn't want something bad to happen to you so hopefully like you're not doing it to someone else like murder
0: okay that's an interesting point so so it and it it ties into what what we were speaking about prior right where 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 a majority of people don't want to be murdered so it just so happened that Mm -hmm. murder became a bad thing but but that's all. Uh, I guess that's a that's a relative construct or like a relative concept. So does it necessarily have to be that because people don't want to get murdered or like from an evolutionary perspective, as you mentioned, it is unwise to get murdered? Does that make it an evil thing?
2: So like I guess the question, just the reader, is like whether like what are the what is what is my defining? It's hard because I feel like a lot of these things of what people think is like morally right and morally wrong it's based on society and then I think we, we've had the discussion before it's, it's somewhat rooted in religion too not to do to your neighbor what like you wouldn't want to happen to yourself and stuff like that I think when I look at someone and I try to see whether like kind of like are they good are they evil that's such a black and white thing back in the day people used to think oh is this person are they like me are they different from me things like that and then if they're a little different then you're a little weary Then, if they are similar then you you trust them more and you think that they're good
0: exactly and you 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 did mention that it might have a a religious rooting and I and I I 100% agree with you you know for for years and you can tell by the the difficulty of in which we are all trying to describe this uh, without an absolute reference without a reference point it's hard to determine absolutes and then so for for centuries and millennia people's framework were based on the underlying framework of the time which was which was religion so when you look at the ten commandments the core things that people define good and evil around actually in it i don't think it's coincidental and as ann mentioned it it's it's stuff that people don't want done to themselves and therefore from, from from my from my perspective it's really hard to think about the compatibility of the two statements of whether just because i don't want it done to myself does that make it uh, like good or evil because good or evil good and evil there are such they're, they're really strong words right i mean whether or not how they're used in like our current vernacular is a different story but but evil the definition implies like evil incarnate the worst thing a person could be so describing something as evil you have to have a lot of uh, conviction in, in that sort of statement, um, I guess, I guess I picked on Anne a lot, but, but Diane, what, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts too. I mean, what, what, like, even from your philosophy class, like, what would you, what would you say about the, this conversation that we're having?
1: I don't know. Like, I think, I remember like, that class is like, how, like, who defined what was like, morally right and wrong. You know what I mean? I think Alan says it's based on how you, um you know, like, your values and how um, you grew up. But like, Majority will say, like, you know, it's bad to like cheat or something. But when did people realize or determine that that was like an evil thing to do? The 1700s, or like, did cavemen's like really big, be like, oh, because I hurt someone, that's an evil thing. How do you know that you've hurt someone, you know, or that you're doing it for them? With me, I don't base people off like, oh, they're a good person, they're an evil person. I, for me, it's most, it's mainly on acts like, you did a good act, um, because, like, a person can do good and evil acts, and then majority be like, oh, they're a good person, they just made one, they committed one evil act, but they're still a good person, or they might commit, like, several, like, awful evil acts, but they're like, oh, they're a good person, because they did this thing, so I base it on, and I think I remember the class, like, everyone's, like, born neutral, and then, you know, like, you grow up and then you learn how to act and then majority.
0: Oh, so do you, do you agree with that, that everybody is born with a sort of tabula rasa blank state is, is, I mean, is that the idea that your that your professor wanted to convey?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like one of the main topics for the longest time. Like everyone is born with a blank slate and like based on your experiences, um, is how, is how, and based on like, you know, the values you, um, begin to believe in and grow
0: um i think that's a very yeah i mean that's that's super interesting because that almost that implies that there's almost an explanation for every sort of act that's committed so like if you see someone commit uh you know a seemingly senseless murder or 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 whatever going off the blank slate theory you would you could theoretically you could justify it yeah yeah. and and i think like what what do do you do if something's not justifiable i lent anna book
2: these the myth of Sisyphus and the plague. the plague. The plague. Okay, so
0: it wasn't the stranger. Okay, yeah. So uh, I read that. Oh, you've read the stranger. Yeah. Okay, so so yeah. the stranger is is written by the same author, and I think a lot of people have read it from from a different period of time. But uh, the whole the whole premise of the story was a man commits a murder, and there's no there's there's really no justification. There's no justification, for it. justification. right? Exactly. Yeah. So just by nature of that story being present, I think it's. You know, I, so that, that, that was clearly your, your professor's point of view, view I guess, or, or something that they wanted to debate. You might end up cornering yourself in a position where if you are confronted with something that is senseless, you, you don't have a sort of the cognition to respond to it. But that's, that's yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's super interesting. But back, uh, I, I also want to touch on something, I guess I'm picking on Diane now, but uh, you, you did say mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're looking at a person, uh, you don't tend to look at them just from like one act, one specific act, but maybe like a holistic view so of, of good or evil acts. So how do you, how do you determine if an act is good or evil?
1: Um, I guess like for me personally, like if you act, I guess an evil act would be like, you know, like intentionally harming someone like you, like with malice, you know what I mean? Or doing something selfishly knowing that people might, you know, get hurt from it, but you act on like a me, like, you know, it's for me. But I know, like, people can argue, like, to live, like, a good life. I think my professor used to, like, um, ar- always argue, like, living a good life is doing what makes you happy. So, like, but then I remember we just arguing with her, like, but does that make a person, because you're doing everything for themselves, like, isn't being selfish an evil act? That was, like, my issue with the whole, I remember, discussion. Being, but for me, like, an evil act is being selfish, you know?
3: Uh, One thing I wanted to like touch on too is, you know how Chris mentioned how good and evil are very intense words; they have intense connotations. So what I was thinking is, what if like evil is just things that we disagree with, um, but like escalated. That's based on like yeah what we our core values are, Um, but it could also be what society terms as evil, like how they get us to like turn away from. You know what society deems as evil so like you know how like when we were raised we're taught to you know, yeah never steal um any of that stuff like it stirs up these strong emotions so it would turn us away from stealing is evil stuff that we disagree with um but like in a little bit more escalated manner
0: i mean i think it has to be if you look yeah. at um for instance let's take the example of fighting a war often you'll see that like if you ask soldiers from both sides of a war is what you're doing right i think both sides would say yes and if you ask them is the other opposing side evil are they committing terrible acts that should be stopped i think both sides would say yes right so and then they, they believe in it so much that they're willing to die for it so how can we reconcile two different sides that both think the opposing side are, are committing like the most heinous acts that they're willing to sacrifice their own life for and um, even, even bringing it to something, because that's a, that's, a, that's a topic I guess all four of us would be unfamiliar with, right? We, we haven't fought any wars. There's not a current war that's going on that we're participating in. But even from a um, current societal perspective, you'll see that the debate between even abortion and no abortion, pro pro versus anti-abortion. People take a similarly uh, stringent stance against the child. Like one side will argue murder, one side will argue, you know, not murder or, or whatever it is whatever the case is, you know, it's a very intense debate. As, Al- as Alan said, it's, it's an escalated feeling. People are willing to use the words good or evil in that case. And I think that just, uh, like that just goes to show how, how compl- when so many complications arise, right? Like if you can't say that every act of stealing is wrong or every act of murder is wrong, how good is it as an absolute and as a framework? And um, so when, when we're talking about how we're defining things as good and evil, it's clear that we all have some sort of reference point and whether that reference point is from, as Anne mentioned, religion. Well, actually, before we start doing that, Diane, why do you why do you consider um, being selfish a sort of evil act? Where where did that where did that thought process come from?
1: I think for me, doing something good, and I don't know, like where, like you know, this is probably what society has drilled into my head, but like doing something good is like acting like being altruistic, like acting doing them. Um, Doing good act for the welfare the welfare of others, so like the opposite of altruism is being selfish, you know. So that's how I define good and evil. It's not like my definite definition, but I think like when sometimes people act, they they'll like justify like oh this is a good act um, because it makes me happy, but it only like you know murder makes me happy, like it brings me joy, but you know what I mean they're not thinking about the other person
0: okay i'm actually curious what would you think if let's take um an act that universally people consider murder wrong to like the greatest degree what if murder could be committed to create a greater good what would you think about that then the greater uh, good. or even a not even like because the greater good is also a very lofty term like what is the greater good let's say a person murders somebody for the sake of their family of four what would you consider that act then i
1: mean it's like a You know, um, consider a lot of factors. Like that person does it for their family. Why? Like, why did they think this is the type of act they could do? Like, were there other options?
0: Um, Okay, let me let me constrain this um hypothetical example. Then, a person is very poor, and and the only way they can save their family is by murdering the rich guy next door. That that's that's your very reductive, simplified scenario. What what are your cognitions toward this scenario?
1: Well, I would I don't know. I would say like they're doing it selfish selfishly for their family, but they are still committing an act that um their their intent is still to harm somebody else. Like it's a like I understand where
0: you're hmm. it's a it's no. a no there's and there's no it right is, answer. It is right? a very yeah there's no <laughs> right answer now.
1: This is like what I'm not expecting
0: you to like <laughs> solve world hunger right now with like the perfect I mean it would be great if Diane just gave the answer and it somehow like cleared <laughs> up everybody's issues, right? That would yeah. be no, there's, like, so anyone could factors. do it, it's Diane, right? No <laughs> Yeah, no, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of
1: factors. Like, yeah. Did, you, did they, like, do all possible options? Why is this the only way that they can, like, gain, is this the only thing they can gain from? Like, have they explored I, other options to exactly. help their family? Uh-huh. I always think
2: there's, like, I always think, like, if you can think outside the box, there's other ways to go about solving your, <laughs> I don't know, issues, like. Is what if it there's not, or, Okay,
0: in this hypothetical scenario, there's not. Like, there's let's just one, say there's yeah. not
2: oh my but, gosh like what
0: situation would like warrant that um, well it's just it's just a situation that i mean yeah. think about think about uh, yeah. like statistically all the all the encounters that think about the billions and billions of people on this earth and the billions and billions of interactions they have with each other almost every combination of events is conceivable if, if you look at you know mm-hmm. from a probability perspective so and it's just something we haven't experienced but now that i've laid out this hypothetical example and mm-hmm. there's no outside the box like this is uh, whether so, yeah. okay. let's yeah. just say whether or not there is an out of the box to this to to these groups of people, there's obviously no. He has not thought of this solution. <laughs> this out of the box solution, right? So this is this is this is this is what's become.
3: So definitely, I think it depends. Like the point of view comes in. Like without knowing the poor person, person, like the rich person would think, or like anyone would think that the person murdering another person is evil. Um, so it really comes down to like understanding like why. Why did the poor like the motivation behind murdering this person? Um, and since we have the context, but like in in real life, I think the rich person wouldn't know, right? Um, that they they had to be murdered. Um, but that's when it comes, like this is like the fluidity and like reconciling good versus evil is um like yeah, very interesting. Um, because we only see one side of the story most of the time, I think. And then if maybe if, if somehow like the poor person, um, if the rich person understood like a, the poor person's experience, um, their motivation of like, they wanted to, you know, feed their family. Um, if the, um, I think just having that idea in mind, like I'm not saying this is like a solution to um, this problem, but like having that understanding of the other, like the poor person's belief and motivations um, and a rich person's, you know, perspective, um, it, like it would, I guess it would help reconcile that like idea of good versus evil because um, we only see like one
0: side. I'm glad you brought that up because, so like you mentioned perspective and when, when I present this hypothetical scenario, uh, a lot of people, and as, as demonstrated by Anne, like a lot of people first say, well, why this, why that? Is there no other way and that's like the natural human inclination right because without a a basis of reasoning it's hard for us to process these sort of intense events right and i i would say alan from like when if you're looking at a perspective the end result is the same regardless right so whether or not like some people might if i presented this scenario some people might say well is the rich guy is the rich guy a good person right like some people might say that they'd be like is this guy helping people out is he hoarding his money? Maybe, maybe the rich guy is killing people. Like, well, is it, maybe it's a little bit better then. And I think a lot of these things are us reconciling this event, as you mentioned, with, with, our, with our values, right? So, like, if I were to believe that, like, if I were to be like Diane's professor and believe that everybody sort of started out as a blank slate and then their environment has shaped them to who they are, so everything, everything that, every act that's committed has a sort of basis behind it. Uh, the first time, the first time I hear this scenario, I would say, "Okay, what are the what like? What are the reasoning and what are the steps behind what caused this action?" And if there are none, would that I, I would you know presumably create one, right? Because it's hard to be presented with a scenario in which you cannot uh, reason out in, in any way, in particular. Yeah,
3: exactly. I just want to add on to that. Like people are always making assumptions about other people. Like you're um, like if you based on this one action. Or based on um, this one trait of someone, you're gonna make more assumptions of that person, um, whether good or bad. And I think, like, without knowing the actual, like, without actually knowing the experience of the other person, that actually knowing what they're like, who they are, um, that's kind of like how like this labeling of good and evil is. It's, it's difficult to actually like label that person as good or evil because it's based off of our assumptions most of the time. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So uh, Alan, since you brought up perspective, do you think it matters about the perspective? So let's say in the scenario, the poor man shoots the rich man or the poor woman shoots the rich woman, whatever. Do you think the perspective is important because the end result is in fact, the poor man has killed the other guy and now his family is safe. Whether or not mm-hmm. the perspective or not, how do, you, how do you think that affects this this uh, this discussion? It depends on
3: who you're talking of, like, for. So like in the world of the poor person, he did his, he had to do what he had to do. He did his duty to like save his family to like the like view of the, the, the rich person, like then this poor person's family, this poor person is um, just a murderer, um, straight up evil. So it's really how like the story is told
0: or like who is telling the story.
3: Okay. Think, uh, yeah. Like, and yeah. from
0: your perspective as an outsider, then Alan, it's yeah. very hard. You like, would you be able to determine which person is evil or good in this scenario?
3: Right? So it, it isn't my perspective an outsider. This is why I'd be like hesitant. And um, I would f- want to like, understand, um, like not uh, knowing like the situation, I would say that uh, I would say that the poor person had a, a, like a valid justification for like, it's either his family, or the rich person's family, right? If you had to make that absolute decision, then I would like I'd be un- more understanding and not say that this guy is a pure, just evil person. Um, but yeah, like
1: like what if that rich person was like on the brink of like solving wor- world hunger?
0: You know, from that <laughs> I'm, glad Diane, I'm glad Diane. I'm glad brought exactly. this up because this is exactly. the this is this yeah. is sort of the, so I think this is demonstrative of uh-huh. of the the overarching topic. Of, of good and evil, right? Because from this discussion that we've had, we, we are seeing that, that what people consider good and evil is, like as a, is, is sort of a bunch of micro processes happening between people and our interactions and sort of our perspectives. But the nature of good and evil is that what's determining that is the third party. So the, the first party being, so in, in this scenario, what I just asked Alan, Alan was almost acting as the as third party intermediary, the arbiter. In this case, Alan was like the God or the higher power determining what is good or evil, and the rich man and the poor man were sort of the microcosms, like you know, in 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 their in their own environment. And so, when we have this discussion of good and evil, if we take a step back, we as humans are sort of the ones dealing with each other's perspectives and trying to figure out good and evil. And there's this like mysterious question mark, the third party that actually determines good or evil. And unfortunately, in our case, there's no Alan to tell us which is good and which is evil. So, like that, that is like what I wanted to. sort of convey and i think i think it's it's understood by all that is this is an extremely complicated complicated Mm -hmm. topic so like how we approach the ideas of good and evil if let's say like the people fighting wars or the people believing abortion is is immoral or people believe abortion is moral does understanding that good and evil are just perspectives and not universals do you think that would do you think that would help the world become a better place or do you think okay i want to not speak in absolutes do you mm-hmm. think that would help solve more arguments or do you think that would create more arguments there's there's simply not a good solution to any of this which is really unfortunate but i'm curious of your perspective on this
3: yeah i think like the overall of like the goal of this conversation um is to you know actually like open up our like be more empathetic towards you know these ideas of absolute or like the fluidity of you know good and evil yeah that like they might be just perspectives on each side and like not absolutes. But I think it would at least open up more compromising conversation if we if we thought about yeah, if we thought about like the ideas of good and pure good and like purely evil as what are the, the perspectives of like the other side.
0: Yeah. Um, and to play devil's yeah. advocate, I think yeah. that it also could open up a lot of more complications, right? Because if, if I came to all three of you and determinately proved that there were no such things as good or evil. In this, another, I love hypothetical <laughs> examples. In this, a second hypothetical example, I, I have created a formula that has disproved God and has disproved any ideas of good or evil, and I showed that to the whole world. That, that throws everything we have just spoke about in, into, into flux, right? So anything about perspectives is incorrect. Or taken another way, if I showed you a formula saying, this is right and this is wrong, right? What if, what if my formula systematically proved murder is not evil and if i if the whole world were to know of this then the whole situation becomes breaking down centuries hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of people thinking this is wrong and this is right suddenly broken down in front of them it's going to cause a lot of tension and turmoil right like what happens to a person when everything they value is proven false right uh like a lot of books demonstrate the case that They can possibly go insane. I don't know if any of you have read Crime and Punishment. Like the basis of the story is one guy, I'm going to butcher this name. So if any of my listeners are Russian, I'm sorry, Raskolnikov, he murders an old lady with the assumption that, and this is not spoilers because it happens in like the first 10 pages of the book because like it's like a 400 page book and the murder happens in the first 10 pages and the, the rest of the 390 pages are him dealing with it so as as you can tell it's a very it's a very sensitive topic but so he, he murders this old pawn shop woman because he rationalizes that she doesn't help anybody she abuses her her helper woman and she just hoards on the money so killing her is a correct thing because he is poor and he believes he's smart and he wants to help his family so he murders her and then when he does commit the murder Someone else happens upon the scene, and he has to murder that other person too. Because I think that that scene in particular demonstrates what we think about good and evil is not like we think good and evil set in place, but life as it so happens is a series of random shit shows that you know occur. So things might not always go as planned. So he ends up murdering one person he thinks deserves to be murdered, and one person that definitely he thinks does not deserve to be murdered. And so the rest of the I'm not going to spoil the book, but the rest of the book is is basically. Him dealing with these consequences, right? And so for him, it was like in the scenario I just presented. He basically came in with a thought, right, that murdering this woman is okay. He rationalized it out, and then when it actually happened, he was presented with a scenario that was completely antithetical to what he expected. So based on Alan, what you said, yes, I do agree that you know this this would improve discourse to everyone. But on a second degree, I have to imagine there'd be a lot of uh, third hand turmoil. That arises from like people questioning good or evil right because essentially people are very comfortable with um absolutes right like that's why i believe religion and the ten commandments are comfortable to people because it gives them a, a framework of mind right like i know how to act because god has told me how to act and this is how god told me how to act so i will do my best to 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 follow that and that's why you know and that's why ministers and bishops exist because they are there to Add the human touch right to intermediate in those situations like oh is this stealing justified then you can go to a to a supposed authority figure like uh, uh what are they called pastors or like who's the guy who gives the sermons that's a pastor right <laughs> like the senior religious leaders in your group or so forth as, as you can tell i'm not i'm not well versed yeah right? i could not help <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 in this but but uh long, long rant aside i'm sorry did anyone have anything to add to this have you
1: guys ever mm. watched the good place
0: on NBC no what is that yeah
1: I don't know I highly definitely you Chris I highly recommend it like it's the whole thing like you said like the whole show is based on like these four people who um think they end up in the good place but it's actually the bad place and then the whole show questions like you know um they're like oh they thought they led like a good life or they thought they did like you know multiple just acts and um they realize like you know the whole formula of like what is good and what is bad like they kind of like questioned it like life is very um i think the show like ended with like you know life is so complex um there is no formula for good and bad and they tried to break the system and then like you know you have a third party and the third party the judge or god um she was like well um according to this book like if we um undo the formula then you would undo like centuries of like oh was caesar actually really good yada yada
0: um, interesting i've never know. heard of it but yeah i mean the premise is basically similar to what we discussed i mean that's why people go to the grave thinking what they do right i mean imagine telling like, like so i personally don't believe in a heaven or hell but then these are these are topics that are very sensitive to people who do because if you're wrong then what did you live your life for right striving to go to heaven or trying to avoid hell If you're incorrect in that assumption, then you've essentially maybe wasted your Mm -hmm. entire life. So these are these are things that people normally go to the grave for, and it's hard for them to reevaluate.
2: I was gonna say that, like, I think at one point in in people's lives, they should question, you know, if it's like a religion or their upbringing, like, or some kind of absolute, like, you know, it just should be like, hopefully, it's natural for most people to like question and kind of make their own. You know choices and and perspectives and then maybe they've reached a point where they're like okay yeah like this is my this is the religion this is how this is why i'm going to take the degree for me
0: i think that's an interesting point and i think that um okay so what i would say to that is yes in economically stable civilizations let's take Mm -hmm. for instance um I, i bet if we went back into history and we looked at an imperially colonized africa for instance when you're so concentrated on survival it's very hard to think about these things like if you're worried about how you're going to feed yourself or your family the next day you don't think about why things happen and so for us right i think we've been very we've been more fortunate than others across the globe where we where i have the opportunity on a sunday afternoon not to worry about how i'm going to stuff my face tomorrow and i can talk about these existential questions but some people don't have that problem right and so and I think it's a shame that, uh, like, if we if we take a look from anywhere from the poorest person to the richest person, I think it's more understandable if someone who has less material wealth doesn't think about this as much because they're struggling. They're just struggling with life as, as a whole. But people who are, you know, super rich or super wealthy or wealthy enough, I, I, I truly believe some people don't think about this and they just continue along the spectrum or, or the narrow mindset that they have. And it's like, if we talk about like sometimes we may look down on people who an example would be like someone who's just a carpenter and all he does is create benches all day and he has to do that his whole life because he's poor and he has to sell these benches to feed himself and then people might hear that story and be like oh that's sad like from the day that he lived to the day that he died he was a carpenter he went to home depot every day he bought lumber and he constructed benches but for me is that any different from someone who maybe you know is super rich is is that any different? Is, is is he is he or she not wasting their lives any more than the carpenter, right? In fact, the carpenter, I think it's it's a sort of uh, there's a almost stoic beauty to it, right? Because you know he has to live that way, whereas the person who's engaging these hedonistic acts <laughs> has more of a choice, right? But they're not they're not they're not taking that choice, and so. Um, mm-hmm. did, did, okay. So, do
2: you think that at one like like so? I think my thinking is on uh, one point it has to cross their minds um at whatever stage they're at like in life um, and then they just kind of choose to either accept it or divert from it most people like other people are like they don't question it and um they just go along with it in like a ignorance bliss
0: yeah i mean i think it's very hard to question yourself as, as we talked about right like i wonder how many people okay so for me what i like to think about is how many people are religious simply because their household was the same religion. And I'm interested in the statistic of how many people actually convert. So if your household is Christian and they raised you in like a, and they're not like, you know, hands off Christian, like they take you to church, whatever your parents tell you, like, this is what God said is right or wrong. God is real. And so forth. I'm, I'm actually intensely curious because this would, this would play into our discussion. What percent percentage of those kids do not stay Christian? And I think um, it's probably lower nowadays than it has before because we live in an increasingly globalized environment, which is actually, it's both good and bad. Before, mm-hmm. if something tragic happened, if something tragic happened in New York, right, it would take someone 60 days, horse and buggy all the way to California. Half the people would be dead by then already. So like news was news was hard to come by and news was intense, right? If there was a bunch of, if there was a strings of murders or whatever, and you were halfway across the country, you wouldn't hear about it for a while and it would be intense. So because you don't get snippets of information like that. And nowadays, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned this at the beginning, since we are in such a globalized environment, we hear this news every day. Mm -hmm. Something bad happened here or something bad happened over there. And I don't think, and I think that's proof that people don't question themselves as much as we would like them to, because we went from, I wouldn't say society today is any more morally good or whatever than, than 300 years prior, but we have more information now. So Mm -hmm. I think that goes to show that people don't like to question themselves because right now we see, so the last podcast episode I did, why I did that episode because, uh, so I get the newspaper delivered to my door every day and like, I like to read the physical newspaper and the headline was about the boy who was hanging on to the airplane and like the airplane took off and he fell off and died. And that, that was extremely, that that was like a huge cognitive dissonance for me reading that because it's very difficult to understand the perspectives of everyone involved in that situation. But, like, we are in an environment where we can see and hear everything. And the, the, the fact, to me, that people aren't, you know, like, benchmarking it by like the traditional Ten Commandments standards, I don't think people are any, uh, any, any more morally sound than they were before. So that's, that, that would be my thinking on the topic. And I, and I think that's just because people like to stay rooted in their ways. Um, so I guess we touched a little bit upon utilitarianism, right? Like, the whole concept of the, of the poorer man killing the richer man to feed his family right uh, like a lot of people also use uh, u- the utilitarianism as a, as a method of framework right they're saying oh if it's for like the greater good it's okay and that's something that doesn't um i don't know about you guys that's something that doesn't resonate with me well so let me give you a an example so back like world war ii you know pre-world war ii till up until like right before the 2000s the ussr was like a huge upcoming you know it was the bifurcation between the us and, and then the ussr right and so, a lot of um, philosophers in the European area they actually aligned themselves with the USSR, right? Because they believed that uh, communist society was the way for society to be, society to be better as a whole. And so, uh, so like a lot of prominent existentialists, like Jean Paul Sartre, he he would have he aligned himself with uh, the USSR or communism, right? And he, they supported like you know communism in France or whatever because of the the whole idea. And then it came out. And as we all know right now the ussr was not doing very nice things to people like murdering them and even after that came out people still a lot of these philosophers still aligned themselves with the idea because they believed that um uh the, the means were were like w- whatever the means were the end was that society was better and um, the author of the stranger and the myth of sisyphus and uh, the plague of which I, I gave the books to Anne, and it looks like diane knows knows the author as well he was actually famous for um, opposing the Soviet Union because he didn't believe that humans uh, that, that sort of human should die for this greater good. It was actually a very tragic story. What happened was, and towards the end of his life, he was ostracized by everybody around him. He sort of like, receded from the public eye, and then he tragically died in, the, in a car crash. And then afterwards, people were like, oh, wait, maybe what he was saying about the USSR was right. Like, they're definitely not like, a good place. So I think it's, it's, uh, utilitarianism is like looking at that from a similar perspective. Is it really, what is this utopia that we're striving towards where we can sacrifice people for, for justice, right? I mean, the same author, he, he was famously quoted as saying, and I'm, this is not like a direct quote, but he said, like, I like justice, but I would prefer my mother to justice because people were, pe- so Algerians were bombing trains in Algeria because it's a French colony and people were calling it justice, right? Because the Algerians were infamously mistreated people, and they asked him his perspective, and he said, "Justice, like I like justice, but my mother could be on that train, so I prefer my mother to justice. Right. So he's not giving up the individual for the greater good, and that's, and that's something that, uh, I don't know, perhaps resonates with me, but I don't know how you three feel about this. I probably should have felt the room out before I just went on this rant getting on utilitarianism. <laughs> but but uh, I'm interested in, in, in what you guys think.
2: Could possibly what do you think about what you, what, yeah what do
0: you think about the greater good is it is it yeah. would you sacrifice one person for three would you sacrifice one person for four or would you think that's wrong i mean the famous example that i'm clearly ripping off there's a trolley like and the, it's, the it's, train the, the train ass, is a you know the boat yeah, <laughs> and you can pull a lever if it was
1: like a newborn baby yeah exactly
0: exactly there's so many different scenarios but at the end of the day it's either student. one person one person's dying or like five people are dying and then i think what's yeah. interesting is and this this scenarios beaten to death right but if you ask the scenario from pulling a lever there, there's there's two there's two scenarios like one you pull a lever and the track diverts and the train hits four people instead of one or hits one people instead of four or the alternative scenario where you push like a very fat man in front of the train and then you either kill him or the four people a lot less people push the fat man or the fat person to block the train than pulling the lever because you're inserting yourself into that scenario so that to me questions the validity of that whole argument. Because if you can't that outcome shouldn't change whether or not you're pushing the lever or you're or you're pushing the man. Either way, you're murdering somebody. Or you're 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 putting somebody to death you're in stuck. favor of somebody else, right? Yeah. So
2: I mean it depends if I have like any strong feelings or relationships with people on the track.
0: No oh, and There's stop trying to rationalize this. No, you don't know any of these people. You don't know if they're okay, murderers. You don't know if that group of four people are criminals. Right. You don't know if that one guy's a criminal. You know nothing. You just happened to just be there. Okay. You know nothing. Okay,
2: well I'm Obviously, I would, you know, if it's four people versus one person, like, you know, you're saving a little more lives with the four people um, and then like pushing a person on the track to stop the train versus pushing a lever that might stop the train. Um, I would take the chance and push the lever. No,
0: no, no, the no. and they're two different scenarios but, like two two different okay. Okay. yeah two different scenarios so like pushing the man to block the train is the same as pulling the lever they both will stop the train from killing oh, the four people okay. but in this case instead of pulling the lever to divert the track the, the the man you're pushing over is dying and like his body is so fat it stops the train or whatever and then he dies but then the train doesn't hit the four people so it's two different scenarios with the same the same philosophical ethical question but in one scenario you are the person pushing the fat man, the fat woman, or whatever, to block the train. In one scenario, you're just pulling a lever. And I, like, what I was saying is I'm very intrigued that the two response rates are different, even though they're presenting the same ethical question. I, I get your point. Like, you would rather save more people. So if a person walked up to you and said, I would not pull that lever, I would let the train hit the four people, would you then consider that person evil? Yeah. Because from your, it sounds like from your perspective, you think the, wiser, the better or ethically sound decision is to pull the track, the, the, tr- the lever, or push the man, push the fat person, block the train and only kill the one person so if someone went up to you and said well i don't agree with you i would let the four people die right i wouldn't pull that lever i bet it's hard for you to say that person's you might think that person's wrong but it's hard to say they're evil right yeah i think you know probably
2: like i'll be like are you insane and then ask them like why
0: (laughs) see i think um um, yeah i just
3: want to think that like um it's really hard to be like that third party judge um if you because in like in my knowing thinking, the contact yeah yeah and also like in my thinking of the uh, the lever or pushing a man in front of the tracks it's easier to put or pull a lever because you're not as you know you would not feel as directly responsible for um, like it's it, it wouldn't feel as much as like a murder i would say if you like if you're pushing someone in front of a track um, rather than like pulling a lever lever and then like only killing one person it would make you feel less directly responsible I would say and you would have like less guilt doing that so I think that may be like one of my like reasonings of why that would be a higher response rate even no, though no, exactly exact, no you like you're exactly
0: yeah. right like the people who responded that they they didn't want to push the man or, or the or the human whatever oh, right? okay yeah. they, they said it's because it directly feels like a murder and I think and it's and, and like why that intrigues me like it's clear why the response rate is different right I guess what intrigues me is that the, the the level of rationalization right it's like oh the lever i can rationalize ethically more than the pushing the person but they're both from an ethical perspective like an ethical outcome the very same right so that like it's 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 like and and you said it's very difficult being the third party and unfortunately we are we all we have to make actions of that third party every day we have to make decisions right like um you know uh back back in the second episode, one of the one of the guests, uh, Sean Cavanaugh, uh, you guys all know him. Uh, he he brought up determinism, right? And he's a very scientific guy, so he he believes in 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 how the universe is like strictly determined. Your actions are are sort of uh, can 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 be explained, right? based on all the experiences that you've had prior, right? So um, I think that is one way to look at things. And the other way to look at things is this sort of rationalization, right? Like if I if I if I pull the lever i am less of a murderer than if i push the person and if you just apply that to your whole life people people like to rationalize things like if i go out and i buy an expensive jacket and i don't use that money to uh donate to charity like like if i go out and i buy like a $10,000 jacket and i could have used that $10,000 to save 10,000 people i mean like you wouldn't call you wouldn't you wouldn't call me a murderer but if you look at that outcome right i i like i have chosen one thing over the other so i think that's the difficulty with sort of uh being be, uh, either having the perception of of free choice or having free choice right and in the case that we are just discussing right um the rationale would be well i don't want to push the man to his death but i'll i'll gladly like pull the lever instead so it's just a it's just a, a very interesting topic but so so Anne, you agree you think that um you should pull the lever to to save more people what about what about diane and alan what do you guys think well
1: like i guess like saying again like um most people would be like I'd rather save four people than one person you know right so they justify and they rationalize like I'm gonna pull the lever I'll push that guy because I'm killing less people then I'll like bring up again like what if those four people were gonna like solve world hunger and you know stop all wars and like are you really you know like saving more people then I think
0: Exactly. You and, know. and and and, and, and since, the, the yeah. outcome's the
1: same, you're still killing someone, yeah. like killing one person versus killing four people. Like you can't I mean like people will try to justify like, you know, at least I'm killing less people, but you're still committing the act. With the outcome's the same, you're still killing somebody. Exactly. And, you know? and Anne
0: will come in and be like, well, what about the out of the box idea? <laughs> Take off <laughs> the, tr- I'm not <laughs> the train conductor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So like like a lot of people like, will find themselves in the scenario where the, so they're asked this question. And if they're familiar with the question, then they go. And then the next thing would be, well, what about like, what do I know about these people? And in, in reality, you will know nothing about these people. Right. Like it, and yeah. in, in reality, and in this hypothetical scenario, you know nothing about these people and you still have to make a choice. And then you have to go and you either have to uh, assume responsibility and assume guilt because either way you're murdering, you're killing somebody or you have to rationalize it. And I think people prefer rationalization than they prefer assuming guilt and responsibility is the, is, is the ultimate question. So, um, yeah. And then, and then like it, and then if we expand this, if we expound this onto a broader, like a broader platform, right. I can see why people would right? like I don't personally, back to the example I was talking about when. You know, Soviet, uh, Soviet Union era, people people overlooked, you know, a lot of the crimes that the USSR was committing for the greater good. I mean, it's just it's just this trolley example, but in a bigger spectrum. They're willing to let, you know, several people die, right, um, um, to, 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 for perhaps this utopia. And I think, like, the trolley question people sometimes say is ridiculous because it's not realistic. Like, when are you ever going to be in that scenario? But if we look around us, we see this scenario— every day we just like sometimes people choose not to recognize it right like choosing to support like in this example again i'm beating this example death but choosing to support the ussr despite them clearly killing people that is just this troll example uh in in a different form right so and then and then you you like we have to make these choices we can either make the choice or we can you know go around and uh not think about these things which is hard because every day like our phone is like this thing happened this thing happened this person died so like as we talked about before it's making a lot of people more indifferent than than prior when before when when the when the preferred delivery of of messages was like a guy on a horse riding six thousand miles across the country like throwing newspapers at people so it's like it's i think it's i think we're in a time where this is a very pressing issue and i i mean i just like i just read this book man's search for meaning and it's like it's slightly dated right so it'd be like you know maybe a decade or two like before was the current era when that book when that book was written but the, the author was saying that this current period people are finding themselves uh more empty and more nihilistic than prior and i like i can totally see the reasoning right we're we're in an era of more comfort we're in an era of more information and therefore we're in an era of more free time and more ability to discuss things like we are doing right now so it's um it's a it's a it's a very complex situation to be in um okay so tying this in uh i want to just touch on this before we before before we, i want to touch on this topic before we end up talking for like 7 hours um so the pursuit of meaning so that was that was you know that's in that's in the title of this episode i think the i think these two topics are very related right because if we if we ask ourselves why are we living uh like why are we living what pushes us to existence um, if you break down the answers that people give, I think you can break them down into people want to live like be good and they want to avoid being evil. So I think these two questions are are are, are very interlinked, right? So if I asked you three, do you believe there is a meaning to life? What would what would you three say? Um,
3: well, at first I wanted to actually add on to that, like you're just mentioning how we we're living in an era of comfort. But I think what like like meaning for us is also like what makes us happy, right? Like just what causes all that like release of dopamine and serotonin in our brain, and that's like why we want to continue living, um, and like because we've gotten like so uh, it's because it's so easy to access that now, like like you know it's like just the creators of technology have got we're, we've like as a society have gotten so good at just um, just releasing that dopamine, um, like doing acts to do that, um, it really kind of like, I guess, it kind of like diverts our attention in a way of the other side of the meaning, um, which is like, what is, um, or like it really diverts attention of away from like, what is our meaning, our search for meaning, or like our purpose, I guess, um, instead of like being happy um, all the time. Um, what is, like, that deeper, like, sense of purpose that we actually, um, need to, to, you know, think about, um, so, for some, it may be, yeah, like, good being, living, like, a good life, uh, compared to, like, evil, um, and I think I agree, I, I agree with that, but, like, in a more specific term, or in a more specific way, yeah, like, what, um, what what like
1: is a good life
3: yeah yeah what is a good life what do you consider like good and that's um, it's it's a harder question to answer and like you need time to think about it you need time to like understand yourself more and um, what you're like passionate about and what um, what brings you like that sense of purpose in the world um, so um, I just wanted to like yeah, add on this that but um, yeah if, You guys have any more thoughts on that
0: so it's like meaning is universal right like it's the same it's an absolute this it's the same idea as good and evil right but it's more personal to us because because it it's it defines the exigency of our very lives right so taking taking how we just described good and evil as as absolutes that are used maybe too liberally right like maybe they're not as absolute as people think if meaning is an absolute then like you know, like Alan, I'm going to directly ask you this question: Do you think there's meaning in this, in this, in this universe? It,
3: I this, yes or no, okay, yes or no.
0: Before we expound, yes or no. <laughs> is there meaning in this universe? Question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Diane, you better prepare because you guys are getting the same question. I'm, I'm. <laughs> yes or no, Alan? Uh, is there meaning in this, in this universe?
3: Like in the overall universe, I don't think that there's meaning. Like, okay. It, whatever you're like i don't know what that like your definition of meaning exactly is but don't like... try to weasel your way out of this alan no, <laughs> okay. okay okay diane, diane yeah. go. what about you uh, i don't know for me personally um
1: i think so i'd like to think so yes i have okay okay it's i'd, I'd like I, to think I, so I and to. yes
0: it's different that's those are two different things like yes and i'd like it to. i'd be like so. to
1: hope i'd like to hope life has meaning um my life has meaning there's something i can strive. like you know strive
0: for but I don't know if it is you okay know? okay fair and um I want to think yeah
2: like
0: yeah I think my life has meaning um we're all pretty selfish here right yeah. we're like we're like I'd like to take my- <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, about, I
2: think my no what about excluding yourself
0: like what about excluding yourself right like look trying to look at this impersonably as possible right because I know I know this is a very personal question because it has direct implication on our own lives, right? But like, irrespective of what we'd like to believe, like, what, like, if we had to give a yes or no, right? Like, it was a multi, it was a, it was a bubble in the answer, circle the yes or no test. Like, you got a scantron. The answers were A yes, B no. Is there meaning like, in the universe?
3: What, so I want to know, like, what? What do you think? is like your definition of meaning because my like overall in the universe i believe that like yeah we're just like all gonna die there's we're also like cease to exist eventually but is there meaning um in my personal life like can i create meaning like while i'm here um for my yeah like i think you can do that but yeah um
0: okay yes and okay so that's that's good i'm good i'm I'm glad you brought that up so those are those are two different i would say those are two different um these are very so these are two different topics right is there meaning inherent to the universe and can meaning be created right because um if the first answer is no and the second answer is is yes that's a a maybe more optimistic outlook right but yeah so that's that's the essentially that's the okay so let me let me ask you this ann and diane um so so you 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 guys didn't know you were being born right so the universe was was existent before you were born right just just humor me here. Yes. yeah yes yes yes. Right? yes okay so so knowing that is the case the universe is here before you're born and then you are born how could i um, uh, how could meaning be how could you have an apparent meaning if this universe was here and then you were born right it's not like it's not like the universe needed you and then you were born and then the universe was created around you right it was like the, the world was here and then you entered the world right so then, therefore, like what, what, what is the meaning of your existence then, right? That's like the first part of our question. Like, it, oh, like we
1: could, uh, we could argue like our parents, like we are our parents, mm-hmm. kids,
2: you know? Yeah. Okay, no, so no. Right, like, yeah. So like,
0: so like you the parent, like irrespective of humans, right? So like another human created you, right? Like now you're like you're saying like oh, like our our existence is useful for our parents, but I'm saying like uh, you, like our unfortunately our parents don't dictate like the moral structure of the universe, right? So like I could extend the same argument to your parents. Your parents were born from someone else who wasn't here prior, right? and so the meaning the universe is here like we could extend that argument all the way back to the first human, right? So like if I'm so like now you're asking this question from from this perspective what do, what do you have to answer?
2: maybe like a meaning could be to drive like drive the human race. keep, keep it going. Keep it going for a while, hopefully.
0: Right, and like, and and, and why is that, why is that meaningful? is like, my my question would be, so, like, our evolutionary, uh, our evolutionary urge to continue to perpetuate our genes and and the human race, but that's just, like, a specific animal instinct, right? It's not, it's Mm -hmm. not, that's not meaning, right? Like, once again, it's like good or evil, it's our perspective on meaning. Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah,
2: like, like, you know, like, is there like something that we were put on this earth for like a reason like what is the real reason um
3: is can the reason just exists just exists
2: yeah but then you know you always <laughs> went into the question like why why are humans like why are humans we think we're the only ones that are sentient we're like giving this we're given this brain and given these like like all this history and stuff like that and forming our own opinions and perspectives like why why like why are we different from animals you know what i mean or maybe animals do have um all this like but we just can't communicate with them
0: yeah and what if i what if i what if i systematically proved to you that the act of humans being like what we are and animals being what they are was just like it just happened like it was just a, st- a bunch of statistical things a stroke that of luck. yeah and it just happened that humans I... turned out this way then like then then <laughs> what would, so it, it's not like someone came down and said humans are special boom it was just a, ma- a manner of chance right like what would you say then
2: yeah well i mean i i think it is chance and i'm like no please. i'll take it i'll <laughs> take it and i'll run with it and then i will, will like apply my own meaningful
0: life no myself. exactly so like i'm not saying any of your individual lives are not meaningful i'm just trying <laughs> to I'm, I'm just trying to uh i'm just trying to bring up the perspective that Uh, mm-hmm. we have to be asking ourselves I think the, the more important I think the more important question is can we create meaning as opposed to does the does the do our like the the, 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 the question of do our lives inherently have meaning is is, is, is not important oh. is not as important to me as can can meaning be created personally, right? Th- that's that's the perspective I wanted to bring.
2: I mean I guess I would take this perspective too. Like I guess what life kind of is a little meaningless and people apply their own meanings to their life however they want it
0: exactly and going a step further what if what if what if what if so so um the book that i have given and and i like i every episode i, I say i'm not going to talk about this author and i end up talking about the author because he's so influential on, <laughs> on my train of thoughts so i'm basically i'm ripping him off now but uh but uh the question that he likes to ask is what if the first part of the question is no human lives inherently don't have meaning and the second part of the question is also no, human lives can't create, you can't, uh, like creating meaning for yourself is pointless, because how can you create meaning if the very definition of meaning, uh, if, if, if the idea of meaning as an absolute is moot, because there are no absolutes, like in, in this universe, right? Like from, from the perspective of the author. So he likes to try to bring up that point, right? Like if I, once again, if I went up to you, Alan, and I said, and then I was like, oh, well, do you think? the universe is meaning and you said no but i think i can create meaning and i gave you a sheet of paper and that sheet of paper was like no you can't create meaning like well like what would your what would your action be and you know it's a rhetorical question but like every human's reaction would be i guess uh, a very it would be you know like it would be very disturbing perturbing whatever synonym you want to use right to us because most people whether like most people um if if like this i guess this this idea is does not apply to religious people because obviously religious people have meaning because their their meaning is derived from god right to spread the word of god or whatever so this is more of an existential question for people who maybe aren't so religious right like what do you do when when you don't have a universal framework to apply to meaning right like if god if god is not the one giving us meaning and the universe is not giving is the is not the one giving us meaning what's the point of giving ourselves meaning right because at the end of the day we as, as as alan and Nan and diane as, as as you all have said we all end up dying and we like maybe our family tree extends but like like in in, in centuries uh, any everyone and anyone related to us will be distant and we will be forgotten right unless there's like a famous wikipedia page written about each of us you know but like until until the end of time like why does it matter if we've created meaning if when we die like none of that none of that matters right and so like this author i know it's sounding really depressing right now but this author his whole um his whole life was sort of trying to figure out the point of existence if both meaning could not be created and there wasn't an inherent meaning and that's how the idea of absurdism has has arisen but um but but yeah so that's the perspective that i want to share with you guys but like as as humans it's 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 almost incompatible with our like evolutionary urge to keep living right because we, in or, we need a reason to continue to be alive, right? Like, and whether or not that's the perception of meaning or we think that we can create meaning ourselves, that's, that's like a big driver, I think. Interesting. So this
3: author thinks that we can't create our own
0: meaning? He thinks the saying? very definition is pointless because meaning as an absolute does not exist. So, so, and like the end result mm-hmm. is we die and we are forgotten. So so what is the like what is this creation what is of meaning? The point right? of No like, like uh, meaning itself is, is 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 just from that point it's moot because meaning is an absolute and you cannot create an absolute, right? So there the the, the whole idea is moot in itself.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I kind of
0: feel bad for this author, like Well and I gave you the book. The book I gave <laughs> you is directly like it's it's his <laughs> no, <laughs> I yeah. Don't have...
3: yeah. Wait, then what in it we, we would just, you know, our, our you know instincts for living would just be like you know animals just doing anything that like feels good to, to us to survive and yeah, yeah. and here's that's what you would it. think
0: right but he yeah. um so he actually was a, a fierce um opponent of nihilism and he was a he was a he was a he was a humanist and a moralist right so he did not advocate for like a return to 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 a return to monkey as the memes say right he would he did not, he okay. not advocate for like a regression to like our bestial uh, urges right, our primal urges right, and so like it's it's an interesting leap right. You would think that someone who had such a, a you know ostensibly dark view on the earth would assume things like that. But uh, so like the baseline of absurdity would be that. Um, so uh, Alan, are you familiar with the? Uh, well, I I already I've asked Anne this prior to our you um, know in, in a prior discussion. So Anne is excluded from this. But Alan and Diane, are you familiar with the myth of Sisyphus? Like like Sisyphus like as the Greek as the Greek myth.
3: No, please. No. Okay. Please tell us the story. (laughs) Yeah. So he is the
0: he is the man. You you will know when once I start explaining it. He's the guy who has to keep rolling up the rock forever and then it falls down again. And then he has to push it back up again and then it falls down again. Uh, so so now So basically he was a human and then, you know, he opposed the gods and the gods are like, now you have to push up this rock, up the hill, and then it falls down, and then you have to push back up and you literally have to do this forever and you will never die. Right. And then when you think about the scenario, you think that is like a terrible punishment, right? So um the author he calls Sisyphus uh the absurd hero, right? Um so he ends the book, The Myth of Sisyphus, saying uh, one must imagine Sisyphus happy, right? So he uses the parallel between the myth of Sisyphus and human existence, right? Because um, like if you were so like if you were in a meaningless life, as Alan alluded to, wouldn't the rational decision to then either be take your own life or digress into this sort of like primal animal instinct right and the author and the author emphatically and unequivocally say that no you should not take your own life because um uh, because this act of living is uh is a rebellion against what is logical right so like if you can't create meaning and if you can't determine an absolute right if if, if life is meaningless then And then the logical um, explanation would then to be not live life. Moving forward and living a life, right? Like going forward and putting on your best front and tackling life head on is, is, is almost, it's not, it's not meaning, but it's something that you can determine yourself because the logical, um, the logical subsequent event from there being a meaningless life is to not live it. So that's that's how he knows that we can be sure. It's just like how Descartes says, um, I, "I I doubt, therefore I think; therefore I am." Um, yeah. Camus' opinion would be, uh, "I rebel, therefore I am." Right? Like this rebellion against what should purportedly be like a, a a life of suicide, a life of meaningless, is is therefore like his 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 reasoning for existence, and it's similar to. So I, I mentioned the book I read before um man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl I don't know if you guys are aware of the book so he was a holocaust uh he was in Auschwitz he was in Dachau and he was one of the few he was like like I think the statistic was like 20% of people lived that 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 went through that camp and he was one of the people that did and he came out and he outlined three reasons for he he out he believed that meaning could be created and he outlined three reasons the first would be um meaning can be created by through a work of art like if you if you are the only one who could write this book right like or like make this movie or like do whatever like that could be a form of meaning the second form of meaning could be through a person right like you live for your 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 wife you live through your mother or whatever and the third reason was um essentially you live your meaning is created through um surviving through unavoidable suffering with dignity and that should sound very familiar to what I just described to you as Camus' absurdism, because they're they're almost parallel, right? Where where Camus doesn't believe that meaning can be created through this like rebellion through suffering, it's 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 a, it's a similar idea, right? Like you, what 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 life has presented us is unavoidable, right? It's it's this like sick Machiavellian you know circle of life, or we're born and then we die and then there's no meaning. I'm not I'm not like I'm not saying this is exactly all I think, but like his point of view. But, and then, like, why, why shouldn't everybody just, like, you know, like, take their own life or not live or, like, go and kill anybody or do whatever they want? And it's because of this uh, shared rebellion, right? It's because the one thing that unifies us as humans is we're all presented with this same human condition of living in this terrible life cycle. So we should then, therefore, you know, take—we should, we should actually laugh at our life. We should not take life too seriously. We should, we should live a good and full life, however, like we imagine, uh, as, as a sort of this rebellion. So I basically summarized the, the myth of Sisyphus to Anne, but Anne, you should definitely read the book, Anne. Definitely I read the book. It, yeah. But but yeah, that's um that's that's what I ring It sounds like this this what I'm talking about is new to you, Alan and Diane. So I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts to what I just described to you.
3: I I find it interesting, Yeah, <laughs> kind of funny um laugh at how absurd like life is, right? So
0: No, that's exactly uh, what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, you
2: know, have you guys ever like just kind of think of yourself in a third party like third person like comedy show because sometimes i do
0: you see this is like going back to the beginning when i said <laughs> Anne is one of the few people i think thinks thoughts that no, nobody else thinks but, <laughs> no, <laughs> this no, is no. Like, like you ever just
2: think about yourself like in a third like if you were to like see how your life is and what you do on a day-to-day basis and like you are your own like stories narrator um and you just like you know you do some pretty weird things in the day and like life's funny and you just have to laugh at it like again like that's why i agree with like yeah that's like not take life so seriously i think that's good yeah
0: and i'm actually really glad you brought that up so i think that's a good perspective because like one could think like if we let's take your example if we are like um a third party watching over all of humanity right um basically humans can be almost be simplified to these three things they woke up they 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 went to work and they went to bed or i guess four things and then they die right and like there might be some deviations from these from time to time but isn't that like how all our lives are structured you know until the fourth step until we die and, uh, but I think Anne, like that's a very that's a very good perspective, right? Like, if if I were like a third party looking at Anne's life, I'd be like, man, Anne is doing some weird shit right now. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but like, you're, like you know what I mean? Like, like, like plenty of philosophers from Nietzsche to Camus have 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 taken the idea that like like life should not be taken taken so seriously. Not not in the sense that we shouldn't be having these serious discussions, but that in the fact that you know life is absurd, things happen we can be a little weird and we shouldn't let uh sometimes like overarching societal issues pressure us because like i i did promise a friend i wouldn't mention nietzsche too much but like <laughs> going back to nietzsche his whole idea was that he thought the terms of good and evil were just determined by society right and therefore their 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 mood he nietzsche was most interested in what a person would be like if if they had to create their own values instead of taking taking what was prescribed to them by by you know hundreds of years of christianity or so forth and it's an interesting thought process because like if i like i don't know what like personally i don't know what my own values would be if if uh, I, i talked about this with Anne if i was born under a rock and i lived under a rock and then i came out and i was in society i don't know how their values would differ from i don't know how my values would differ if i was raised in that society and wouldn't this wouldn't the values that i've developed you know under the rock be more genuine than the ones i've developed if i was raised in society right so it's an it's an interesting thought process but but like and and if you're familiar with nietzsche he had like so many diseases he had like syphilis he was like blind every day he had like a terrible migraine That's... like he couldn't like he couldn't walk without like like being felt like okay. he was being shot, oh, right but he still okay. he still advocated for living life not too seriously and like and, and taking and taking a humorous approach to life because, like, what, what else could he do, right? And from his shoes, I think it takes a tremendous amount of mental fortitude to continue wanting to live life despite having, like, 16 diseases afflicting you, right? And so it's, it's a... And, and actually, you know, the sad story about Nietzsche is he literally went insane. He went insane and he died, um, in, uh, like, insane, just strapped to a bed, and his sister had to take care of him. And what happened was his sister was actually a Nazi, so she rewrote some of his... Like, some of his unfinished work she republished with, like, her Nazi point of view. So, like, for a very long period of time, people um, mistakenly conflated Nietzsche with, with the Nazi party, which was incorrect, right? And it took many, many more years for him to be absolved from that, from that idea, right? Like, to this day, a bunch of white supremacists incorrectly cite Nietzsche, even though—because uh, because Nietzsche is very, very misunderstood. I, I don't want to sound like I understand him because I don't. I've read some of his books. And I like I like I've read a lot of his books, and I like I don't understand ninety five percent of the pages that I read. So, don't don't take me as a niche expert, but like this is just a perspective that that I want to bring.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I think that uh, that's like the the rock story, like coming out of. Uh, I think that, uh, like, the thing is, um, we're kind of like born into society, right? We we're not like able to just be by ourselves we like we can't survive on our own like from mm-hmm. a baby so we have to be influenced by other people and like society um and yeah it would that's why it's like genuine like what are their genuine values that we grow up with um it's tough because we are literally like the product of our environment and upbringing so like it's i don't know if we could change that but we could change yeah it's only like how we influence people is like what we're talking about now like we can influence the next generation and it's really hard because like yeah everything we talk about like has an influence like we can't kind of like we can't have something like grow out of nothing like we can't have like a kid just no one talked to him and like they, he can develop his own genuine values <laughs> no one yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean child no support services would really be on you real real fast. So, no one no one talked to this
0: kid over there <laughs> no one talked to this kid, bro.
3: so yeah he he'd he had zero value probably <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i think that that's an interesting thought process like what how, how what are our genuine values um because i think it's i think it's mostly who we're interacting with and like how we're influenced by you know the our surround our like environment and the people that you know, like we interact with.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's hard. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I'd, I'd like to close this out. So Anne and Diane, anything you want to say before? And then I'll and then I'll talk about how we usually end this. But Anne and Diane, do you have yeah. anything you want to add before we start closing out? Yeah, this is a
2: really yeah. interesting
1: discussion. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting discussion. I forget. I need to um look up on niche and read the myth of uh. Camus on their books. I yeah, can't yeah, pronounce yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Sisyphus. Yes. I to say yeah. it
0: okay, so that marks the end of our episode, and as I always do, I'd like to give the opportunity for my guests to promote anything that they'd like to promote. So starting with uh, Anne, is there anything you'd like to say?
2: Um, I would like to just remind everyone I guess to not take life too seriously when you're thinking about these really deep and um hard topics you know you can't just think about your life in a third-party comedy show and to always (laughs) you know drink water eat right
0: okay thank you Uh, how about you alan
3: so uh, i just want to say um well first uh yeah i just want to say that um i think go out and you know try to talk to people that you haven't really talked to or like try to Try to have more, you know, weak ties, and because I think that's like the most, um, like it's the where you can learn the most. Um, having talking to people where like you don't know much about them, you you aren't, you know, surrounded by people that agree with you already. Um, so I think it's really uh, keep an open mind, talk to people that you don't really talk to. Like I didn't mess, I didn't talk to Chris. This is my first conversation to Chris in like five years, so it's interesting seeing how he's changed he's absurd now, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just i just, a, I'm just uh, yeah. a
0: Nietzsche Camus knockoff the, the dollar store version. Yeah. If you're yeah, too lazy yeah, to read, just cool. listen to me. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. I'm learning. I learned a lot today, but yeah, just go out and, you know, try to have more conversations with, um, people outside your immediate circle. Yeah.
0: And for you, that would be the K-pop ring. So, so thank you. Alan. Exactly, <laughs> thank exactly. you Alan. Uh, okay. Uh, Diane, that, uh, that leaves it, that leaves it to you, Diane
1: i guess um if this podcast wasn't any help
0: just watch, like, <laughs> wait podcast. wait what could <laughs> have if this podcast wasn't any help what could a, i should Thank not have let diana in this. <laughs> <laughs> or i mean
1: like you know if people wanna like no i even like outside of this i just would always recommend the good place that people it's a, it's like a humor show and it talks about like you know what is good and what is bad if people are ever curious but uh um, like dives into a lot more towards the end but it's like a light um hearted show and it kind of just makes you think keep an open mind you know always keep learning
0: you could have said if you wanted to know. learn more diane i'm just like <laughs> this <laughs> podcast didn't <laughs> help what i'm just <laughs> okay you cut
1: everything
2: out no 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 we're keeping
0: this in we're we're are keeping this podcast. in no 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 we're <laughs> keeping this in diet this is this is all in i have already I'm I'm, I'm I'm not paying I'm josh i <laughs>
1: NBC, please pay for my tuition. NBC, Kristen Bell, <laughs> Ted Dodd, Hanson. Wow.
0: Um, she's, she's, she's hijacked my show. She's hijacked my podcast <laughs> to get her tuition paid for. She, not only did she hijack my podcast to pay for her tuition, she hijacked it to shit on my podcast and then to pay her tuition. <laughs> okay, with that very absurd yes. ending, um, I'm going to, that that is the end of our Spotify recorded version. From...